everybody, can you hear my voice? Yes, a little loud, Sam. Ah, tough shit, you got no choice. So grab a glass and sit back in your chair. Cause Uncorked is going live to That Pudiki Broadcasting Company presents Uncorked The Whiskey Sessions. I'm Dr. Whiskey. I'm Boutique Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? I'm all right. You look tired. Um, it was a busy weekend. It's been a busy few weekends, but yeah, I did get some sleep last night, so I'm back on form, I think. Good. Well, the run up to Christmas really is whiskey show season. Where have you been? Um, this weekend, I've just come back from Viborg in Denmark. All those crazy Danes, um, they love their whiskey. Where, sorry? In Viborg, in a little place in the middle of nowhere that takes forever to get to, but they bust people in from everywhere, uh, and they love their rum and whiskey. So we had a lineup of uh, nine boutiques on my table. Um, had some darkness there, the new Darkness 8, and Aerolite Lindsay as well. Yum, sounds good. It was a really good, uh, good weekend, yeah. Yeah, it was just big, long sessions and lots of people. Uh, and, yeah, we always have the interest in whiskey, I guess. Last time we were talking about American whiskey, and I think we promised we would have a, another episode because we barely scratched the surface. Yeah, there's a, an awful lot more to talk about, isn't there? But not today. No, you've changed the schedule very, very quickly. What's happened, Sam? Well, you can probably hear in the background, that's a bottling line. We are in our warehouse at Adam Brand's watching World Whiskey Blend be bottled as we speak. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, watching the bottling line running is always a, an exciting opportunity. Uh, I don't see it that often. I've seen it in a few distilleries, but um, yeah, it's good to have our own. So this happened. So sorry, well, we will get back to the topic of American whiskey. And I think we covered sort of the big boys first to scratch the surface. And we will get more into craft and into rye and into the different worlds of American whiskey in a future episode. But today we have a guest all the way from beautiful Brighton. It's not you, Dave. Well, no, sorry. It's not you, Dave Worthington. It's not me. I didn't go. If I got on the wrong train, I could have ended up in Brighton. But um, I got on the right train this morning. Apparently, it takes three trains to get here. Cool. Isn't that right? Yeah. Our guest, Dave Broom. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. It's not really Dave. It's just me doing another voice. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. So our guest today is Dave Broom. Well, hello there. Woo! Nice to be here, guys. So we're not going to do American Whiskey Day. We're going to talk about world whiskeys, and that's why we thought it'd be awesome uh, to have you down. So America is no longer in the world. Is that it? Oh, God. We're going to get this technicality. Now, of course, it's in the world day, but it deserves its own focus. Wouldn't you agree as an expert in the field? <laughs> if you insist, so. <laughs> I'm just going to have some water. <laughs> It's going gonna, it's gonna to get worse. All right, Dave, if this is how we're starting, this is going to be a great podcast. Listeners at home, pull over if you're driving. Pour a dram if you're not. You're going to need the medicine. Oh, how did you get here today, Dave? Uh, three trains uh, and, and two taxis. Because uh, I'm lazy, really. Well, the, the taxi bit is, is lazy, but the, the trains were a necessity. Uh, but hey, you know, it's, I, I'm, it's an absolute delight to be here. It's good to have you. I wonder if we could quickly talk about how we all got here because i think the world of whiskey i'm you can hear from my accent i'm from toronto dave worthington um yeah i'm from 
Yeah, where am I? I yeah, I've come down from Bedford today, but uh, how did I get into whiskey? Quacky, a long story. Um, I've told it many, many times, but really I started as a, a whiskey blogger, um, volunteered for lots of whiskey shows, uh, and ended up being asked to come on board full time. How did you get here, Dave? Uh, into the world of whiskey. Yeah, well, uh, the, the trains we've covered. <laughs> the Yeah, I, my first job uh, when I left school before I went to uni was working in a bottling line. So, so this is kind of familiar to me. Uh, and learning how to drink in toilets uh, with bottles <laughs> stolen from the bottling line, which, which I, I presume does not happen here. Uh, I haven't seen any of that. It's a tradition we hope to maintain yeah. to this very day. And, and yeah, and, and subsequent to that, you know, I worked in Oddbins, uh, sold whiskey there. Uh, began writing about booze uh, for off-license news, and then when I went freelance, began specialising in whiskey. So yeah, my, my entire working life has been in in drink, uh, and yeah, and whiskey's made up a significant chunk of that. So why whiskey? Dave, either Dave, what's the special? What's what's the thing about whiskey that turned you on? Uh, what turned me on was uh, yeah, I, I was I was introduced by my sales manager. Uh, um, an engineer by background and my sales manager came in one Christmas with a bottle of whiskey and, and twisted my arm basically for me to try it. Um, the first year I, I tried it and liked it, um, but didn't it didn't just float my butt, it didn't just blow me away. But the second year he came in with a different bottling, they were both small batch independent releases um, from an independent bottler. Uh, the second time he came in, it was a 15 year old Kalila. Mm. And um, yeah, when I took one sip of it, I thought, Jeeps, this is like nectar. Why am I drinking this shit? And um, I just <laughs> wanted to find out everything I could about whiskey. I started off, uh, I, I'm, I'm ex-rugby player, so I drank Guinness until it dribbled out the corner of my mouth. Um, and still can do that. It's a party trick that I have. Um, and um, I always drank, you know, red wine in polite company. Uh, and, I, you know, my father was in the Navy, so we drank a lot of rum. And my kids still look at rum, um, not not... Really interesting rum, but just rum. Uh, just drink rum to fall over, really. Uh, and rum hot toddies is what my kids grew up on. And um, we still look for rum when we're not well, and we make hot rum toddies when we're not well. Your turn, Dave. What's what's the thing that's okay? You can hear you from Scotland. You worked in yeah. you worked in shops, but that's not enough to really spark the fire of why whiskey. Uh, I, mean, I suppose the why whiskey thing was. Uh, my dad drank whiskey. My uncle worked in the whiskey trade. You know, I was brought up around whiskey. You know, in Glasgow, you know, you can navigate your way by pubs and uh, you know, in whiskey warehouses in, in those days. Uh, but it was always this, this kind of thing that my dad drank and, you know, it was just this, this you know, blends and whatever. Not that I'm disparaging blends in any way, but it didn't really engage me in any way uh, other than kind of nicking it every so often and, you know, having half bottles of whiskey to take with you on hikes and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then, I mean, I've told this story before, but uh, I was up in the far north of Scotland uh, going to Cayley with a friend and we decided that we really should uh, have something to drink on the way. And he grabbed a bottle of Talisker uh, and we began drinking this bottle of Talisker uh, in the car. Somebody else was driving. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and that was kind of it because suddenly these flavours just seemed to make sense and they were, they were really different and they seemed to just speak to me. And they spoke about lang landscape and, and language and, and, and culture and you know, they just seemed to be part of the place. And that kind of sowed the seed. Uh, and I suppose when... I was kind of in the right place at the right time when I, when I joined Off License News because Single Malt was just beginning to take off in the late 80s. And I began going to Isla. And I remember and meeting Jim McEwen. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say Jim really got 
me thinking about whiskey in a different way rather than just through process. He, he began talking about, you know, it, it is made by people. And we would drive around Isla and he would slam the brakes in the car and we'd leap out and we'd smell seaweed and, <laughs> and gorse flowers and, and, and cause crashes. And so this is when he was at Bowmore. That's when he was at Bowmore, yeah. yeah. And that really kind of made me think about whiskey in a different way and just began to get more and more interested. And I think when you get once you get bitten by that bug, uh, that's you. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that's, that's, you, that's you for life. Uh, so yeah, that, 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 that's how it happened for me. Yeah, I remember going to my first, I mean, I was buying whiskey every every month and writing about it. And, and my brother said, turn it into a blog. And I, I asked him how I did that. And we, we, we did that and launched on social media and everything. But, but when I went to that first whiskey festival and met people right. and started talking about whiskey, then it was really, really sunk in then that, you know, it is just a drink, but it's all about the people. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's community, you know, yeah. and it's, it's about sharing and uh, agreeing and disagreeing and debating Absolutely. and uh, having a laugh. Uh, yeah. And not, get, not being, being serious enough about it, but not being too serious about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's... And I guess both your stories point that out because both your stories, first of all, included slightly peaty whiskey. So an island sort of exotic West Coast whiskey towels, Grand Khalil. And both your stories included a referral from someone you respected or that, that sparked for you. So it is really about the people. That reminds me, Dave, that we, I think after we recorded our first episode of this podcast, and some listeners might remember we spoke about it, Dave and I had a movie date. We did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we went to see Amber Light. We, we certainly did. That was that. And I sat down for a full length of a film for the first time, I think, without falling asleep that's or what without see, leaving the room. I don't fucking believe you. That There's no way that's the first film you've seen. In in full full length. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty certain. Well, yeah. I, look, it was an honor to share that experience with you. And Dave, I'm sure it's an honor that it was your film. Uh, yeah, I, I, I fell asleep. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I'd, I'd seen it before. But it, but it uh, was, yeah. but it was, it was, it was a documentary almost, wasn't it? I mean, it was, it was a, a real, a real piece of work. It wasn't. But it explores this, doesn't it? What is it about whiskey? It's the yeah. what is. So can, can you summarize the film maybe for us, Dave? Uh, yeah, the, the film is. Uh, I can tell you what it's not about. The film's not about how whiskey's made. Uh, the film's about how whiskey's influenced Scottish culture over the years. So it's kind of it's kind of whiskey's history, uh, but it's told through song and poetry and literature, and the way it's touched people and people have touched it and influenced it uh, from yeah fr from way way back uh, to, to the, the, the first arrival uh, all the way up to like what's what's happening today. So yeah, yeah, it really is. It was about the spirit of the spirit and the you mentioned music and the sound. So the music was great, the performers were great, but also just the audio feature of the film the way that the way the director yeah. oh my god it sounded sonically incredible yeah i mean the, the the guy who did the sound owen pratt is just uh just a genius you know he, he does sound for arcade fire and muse and various things he understands sound ah. and uh the, what, what we did or what he did rather uh for for the soundtrack a lot of the soundtrack was actually based around found sounds uh which were then treated so Owen and I'd be wandering around weird parts of distilleries, putting contact mics on stills and uh, hydrophones into casks and hitting casks and, and just doing all the kind of weird uh, sonic experiments. Uh, and all of them kind of then fed into, into the, the, the soundscape. Uh, well, it creates, the, 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 exactly. Yeah, it creates a yeah, soundscape. So yeah. I imagine that would be beautiful in a cinema. We saw it yeah. in the basement of a community center but well, it, yeah, well, it's Cecil Sharp House so the, oh, the whole the, you know it's you know, a community center but uh, but, <laughs> but yes uh, Captain Culture yeah. has arrived uh, yeah. when uh, yeah in full sound it's it's really pretty special are we going to get a chance uh, to see that in the cinemas yeah uh, we 
you are going to get a chance to see it. Uh, just uh, a screens screenings have just been announced. So Scottish screenings start on the twenty second of November, and there will be English screenings uh, till in November, going into December. So they'll be translated uh, into English. That's fantastic. <laughs> Actually, the, 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 the weird thing is, we, uh, it's going to be shown in uh, well, all around the world actually. Uh, so it's going to be in China and blah blah blah, and it's going to be in the states. So we've got a distributor who wants to put it on the states, and the entire film has to be subtitled. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of really flattered and deeply insulted at the same time. <laughs> So it's going to be travelling all, all around the UK as well. So yeah, everyone yeah, will be yeah. able to get so, a chance to see it. Yeah, it's on at the Cameo in Edinburgh, but also Odin's. Uh, it's in Shetland. Uh, so a lot of small, small local cinemas. Uh, Picture House uh, look like ticking up. So uh, check uh, amberlightfilm.com uh, or .co.uk uh, for for uh, you know for details yeah. uh, on that because dates are getting added. Uh, you know by the day. Uh, I definitely want to see it again. Yeah, I'd love to see yeah. it again. Yeah. Good, thank and, you. And oh, and there's going to be a soundtrack album, and there's going to be a DVD. Well. Yeah, uh, there will be a DVD. Uh, uh, really? Do yeah. people still have DVDs? Uh, there's going to be a DVD. No, uh, sure, we just download it. There's going to be a Betamax. We've got a yeah a vinyl soundtrack release, a vinyl. Uh, well, which is definitely happening. Actually, oh, I guess uh, so. yeah, that I believe. Yeah. Yeah, the vinyl, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Betamax. Yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, uh, potentially some, some bottlings as well. Who knows? Nice. Yeah. There's one question in particular that no listener in the whiskey verse will let me get away with not asking you while you're here, but I'm going to save it for later. Well, we have a few whiskeys if that's okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think I know. I, I can anticipate what is coming. Okay, good. It was, it was you mentioning .co.uk and .com that reminded me of it, actually, <laughs> but let's, let's skip that. We don't need scotch whiskey when we've got the whole world of whiskey. So this episode, we want to focus on that. Though, basically, any country in the world that buys scotch whiskey and that has enjoyed blended scotch and single malt boom over the last couple of decades has started distilling their own whiskey. But why don't we start at the beginning? What, what when was the world started drinking whiskey? I think Dave and I were talking last episode about uh, the, the growth of, of whiskey making in the USA and how often when you get into whiskey and a lot of people think that um, American whiskey is sort of the, the cousin or the offspring of Scotch whiskey, old world and America is the new world. But most things happened in tandem. We have, there's all this evidence of agrarian uh, uh, farming distilling going on in the U S in the 1600s. Um, and that's parallel to what we have evidence of in, in Scotland. So we saw those industries grow in tandem. Who, what's the original six or the original five? What are the original, that's a hockey reference for anyone who doesn't get original six. I apologize. <laughs> who are the original old world distillers well i think we we need to start off with in ireland um across to scotland uh and then the immigrants really going across to the u.s uh u.s and canada so you got the american whiskey that we were talking about last week and the mononga halen rye and um i guess now the japanese they'll be almost uh a hundred years old soon, won't they? So in the next couple of years, yep. I think they'll be t celebrating their hundredth birthday in the industry. Yep. Nice. So we can call yeah. them uh, vintage. I think it's yeah, worth recognizing that most people listening, that might be news. Because I think yeah. a lot yeah, of yeah. people think yeah. Japanese whiskey is a new thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many people go, oh my goodness, you know, where did they come from? It's well, they drank it all themselves, you know. And it's, uh, <laughs> so where did it come yeah. from? I know the 20s, Masataka Takatsura was over in Scotland. Yeah. Maybe do, do a little quick brief history there. 
Yeah, uh, so I mean, what happened in Japan? Uh, very strong trading links with Scotland uh, for heavy industry. So whiskey began to go to go across with that, uh, simply because of you know the, those kind of industrial links. Uh, and I think like any any culture, you know, as it as it began to open up, uh, the lure of the the imported uh, suddenly took, took root. Uh, but then various Japanese distillers decided that well, if why should we just be importing it? Why, why can't we make it ourselves? Uh, so by the 19, end of 1918, 1919, uh, there's various distillers wanting to start making whiskey in Japan. Uh, and this young chap called Masataka Takitsuru was sent over to uh, Scotland in uh, 1919, actually 100 years ago, uh, to study uh, whiskey making, essentially, uh, to find its secrets. He then returned back to Japan Having married his landlady's daughter, yeah, he was only he was only here for eighteen months. He was he was a, he was a fast mover, uh, and, uh, but the firm that that sent him over had gone into administration, so he wasn't actually being able to apply his knowledge to to the firm he, he'd been employed by. Uh, but by that time, a, a gentleman called Shinjiro Tori, who whose company eventually became Suntory, uh, also wanted to, to set up a whiskey distillery. He set up at Yamazaki, Takitsura became his distiller. Boom, there you go. Uh, so, and that opened 1923. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been around for a long time, a long time. So why don't we start, I mean, we're talking about world whiskeys. We should start, as any good tasting, I believe, should start with a good blended whiskey. Let's start with a Japanese blend. This is Hibiki. And we can pass around or fill our glasses. And however long this takes, we can always edit it afterwards. Of a dribble, dribble, dribble. Hibiki, Japanese harmony. Hibiki, Japanese harmony. So yeah, no age statement on here. Yep. Um, but all about different parts. And I guess when you're talking about Japanese blended whiskey, a topic that comes up these days is what is what is Japanese blended whiskey? What's in in it? I guess with Scotch, we have we know that it's going to be grain and malt mixed together. Uh, same thing in Japan, same tradition? Uh, <laughs> sort of. Uh, the, the trouble with Japan is that there are no regulations. Uh, it's something which actually, to be honest, has really only come to light uh, in the past few years. Uh, that the, you know, the Japanese industry has essentially been, uh, you, know, it, you could use neutral grain spirit if you want. There, there doesn't have to be a minimum age. Uh, you can uh, blend uh, whiskies from around the world uh, into... Uh, into a blend and then bottle it as Japanese whiskey quite legally in Japan. Uh, so the good news is that uh, this is now being addressed, and I would reckon within the next year, uh, probably two years, there will be a regulatory framework set up, which will be pretty similar to what, what uh, exists in Scotland. You see, it's uh, good news. Why, why is that? Is it been well, a yeah, because regulations are a good thing, you know. Uh, you know, uh, you look at you look at what's happening with Japanese whiskey at the moment. Uh, you know, the, there's huge demand for it around the world, and as a result of there being no regulations in Japan, you can quite legally import uh, bulk Scotch, uh, bottle it in Japan, and slap on the label saying it's Japanese whiskey. You, you can put uh, shochu, uh, you know, barley or rice shochu, uh, which legally cannot be called whiskey uh but in certain countries in though. certain countries but can be in japan actually it can't be called whiskey in america however it can be called rice whiskey uh so you get all of these these sudden distilleries which have never made whiskey in their lives 
suddenly seeing that they're making uh, Japanese whiskey. And, and it's really, really worrying because yeah. I, I think it, it's coming back. And to the extent that people are now looking at any bottle of Japanese whiskey going, well, I actually don't trust what's in it. See, that's um, dangerous. Yeah. When you undermine yeah. the trust of the yeah. category that's yeah. been established yeah. over almost yeah. 100 years, yeah. Yeah. that'd be a shame. Yeah, it, it is strange when you're in the States and you see, and it's, look, if the pursuit is great flavor and they're using rice spirit because they're allowed to, fine. That sounds, yeah. that sounds absolutely fine. I don't think there's a problem there. The problem would come if you're selling that rice spirit for the price of a Biki 21 year old. Yeah, yeah. But, but you're also not making it as a whiskey because you, you're making it using koji and et cetera. So yeah. technically speaking, you know, can you call it whiskey? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so yeah, you just gotta be careful and you just gotta uh, trust your, uh, <laughs> trust your distiller uh, to some extent. You know, the single malts, absolutely not, not a problem. The blends, uh, I say, especially some of the older blends, you know, watch out. Okay, well, here, here's a Japanese uh, blend. But, but Hibiki Japanese Harmony is 100% Japanese. How do we know that? You know that. I, I, I know that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, Scottish. It says, it says right I'm on Scottish the and a journalist. Trust me. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, not, I mean, the Japanese aren't the only ones that have used Scotch whiskey to make whiskey in the past, have no. they? I mean, no. I, I, you know, I know the South Africans you know, yeah. were doing that a long yeah. time ago, were importing new make spirit yeah. from, from Scotland and, and blending it yeah. with with their own make. India. To, you, know, it, you know, They it, still it, do it, a lot it, of it, yeah. do they? I yeah. mean, it's really interesting. I remember speaking, speaking to you, Sam, about the, the, this a while back. You can go on to the HMRC website to look at, at where all the bulk whiskey is going to. Uh, and it's extraordinary what countries. I encourage uh, you to do that. You know, you know, if you're and, listening, and it's it, pretty it, fascinating. It will, it will name all, all the firms uh, who are importing uh, the bulk whiskey. And, you know, uh, the Scotch industry, you know, <laughs> the Scotch industry isn't doing anything wrong because, you know, bulk bulk exports are, are part and parcel of, of, you know, how the industry ha has been built up over years and years and years. Uh, but, you know, it is interesting to see how much is going abroad and, and where it is going. And... Uh, then you try and work out exactly what it's turning up on, you know. Well, the tradition, like you say, it's it's a tradition in Japan to use the the spirit of the master of the teacher. So yeah, there, there I, must be this old yeah, tradition of doing it. Similar, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that, that, that's a, I think that's a wonderfully romantic way of, of looking at it. To, to be honest, I, I, I think there's a, a far more kind of prosaic way of looking at it, which was during the sixties and the seventies. The demand for whiskey was so vast in Japan that they could simply they could not produce enough domestically to be able to satisfy that demand. So they imported huge amounts of of, of spirits, predominantly for really dodgy tasting low end blends. Uh, which were, you know, diluted with neutral grain alcohol. Uh, for domestic. Or, for, for domestic uh, consumption only. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's a really complex, really complicated uh, area, and the sooner it gets sorted out, the better. Yeah, and it's yeah. a fascinating yeah. thing to me, because I think when you look at um, the, 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 the original five, whatever, the five corners of the globe. The Furious Five. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Furious yeah. Five, Canada, yeah. Ireland, Japan, USA, and Scotland. Japan probably is at the top of that hierarchy, if there is a hierarchy. I know that Scotch whiskey and single malt especially still has that kudos um, globally. But Japan, if you look at prices, a yeah. bottle of 25-year-old Yamazaki will be 6,000 pounds. A bottle of 30-year-old Ballantines is 300 pounds. Yeah. yeah. And never mind Canadian on that list, who also uses nine, you know, nine point zero nine percent other yeah. yes, um, domestic, yeah, yeah, domestically, and in yeah. the USA, sometimes Scotch, sometimes bourbon, sometimes prune juice. Uh, it's also a vast amount of Canadian whiskey going into Japan. 
vast amount. Yeah, I looked at yeah. that too on yeah. the tax. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can see that as well. Yeah. Well, sure, they can add rye spirit. They can add corn whiskey from Canada or rye whiskey from Canada and all of it. But so they're I, all integrated. But, but I do love this, Hibiki. Me yeah. too. It's a great I, place I, I to start. This, this, harm, harmony is a romantic word and it's a romantic name to put on a, on, a, on a whiskey, but it's exactly the objective when you're blending is to make something that's beautifully balanced. And this is, this smells so appetizing. Well, you know, who was, who was sort of leading the charge? Because I guess we were, the last episode we were talking about how really these industries grew up in tandem. And it's unfair to see the U.S. as the offspring of, of, yeah, yeah. of Ireland and Scotland. Um, there are plenty of craft distillers now that we can see as the offspring of these innovations. But at that time, who was driving the bus? Uh, who's driving the bus? Uh, to be honest, I would say probably the French and the Dutch uh, you know, uh, and the Spanish. Uh, to, to some extent as well. You know, with if you're, grape, uh, grape, grain you know, distilling? Or? With, 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 oh, uh, on, yeah, with grape, grape distilling. You know, so, so a lot of distills which initially were coming out to the States were coming out with the French. So their pot stills would be cognac stills uh, coming out. Uh, or or indeed, you know, as you were saying, Dave, you know, with, with the Dutch and the Germans uh, coming in. Uh, and then Scotch to some extent. Uh, but yeah, it's just this great kind of cross-fertilization that takes place. You know, uh, if you look at, again, looking at rum, if you look at sour mashing, you know, sour mashing was a rum technique. Uh, well, it wasn't, it wasn't a bourbon technique. It was, it was a rum technique that was then adopted by, by bourbon producers. But, you know, uh, the use of dunder is, is essentially sour mashing. So I, I think what we tend to forget, because we, because we look at spirits as, as categories, you know, uh, you know, and bourbon's over there and scotch is over there and rum's over there, gin's somewhere else, uh, and nobody's talking, you know, they're not talking to each other. They were talking to each other. You know, yeah. there's a huge amount of, of, of sharing of knowledge and experimentation and oops uh, and engineering uh, skills she's knocked over the microphone uh yeah uh, all, all these kind of different engineering skills uh, that, that were taking place you look at the beginning of the 19th century uh when this whole the whole notion of continuous distillation uh was was being experimented with and trying to be cracked you know and we go oh, yeah it was in ace coffee or, or it was robert steen but you know you know it wasn't you know there was a blumenthal still the, there was all these different stills, uh, uh, to, you know, being developed in, in France uh, for Armagnac, but also for rum production as well. So there's a vast amount of, of research going on uh, around the world. So I, I, I don't think it's as simple as saying uh, who was first. It's, it's really saying, you know, because who did who made the first whiskey? And it's kind of, you know, as a, as a Scot, he's, oh yeah, obviously it must have been us, you know, because we're the biggest, it must have been us. Actually, nobody knows. Yeah, you know, it, it's just shared, shared knowledge. Uh, uh, I'd rather leave it at that, to be perfectly honest. I agree, yeah, and that wipes yeah. out the hierarchy perception that it exists. Yeah. That's why I wanted to talk yeah. about it, yeah. because I think we, sh yeah. we shouldn't see it that way, yeah. especially since these grain spirits weren't at the top of the world game of distilling. There are no. plenty of fruit spirit distillers that are way ahead of yeah. what was happening. Excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> nice, cool, all right. We're knocking on our ideology. Spreading the venom into your veins. If you're listening to this, you're being brainwashed right now to see the world as flat. <laughs> You could say Anais um, really had the um, the VHS of the stills in, really. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. What, 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 what Coffee did was pick up on Robert Steen's design and perfect it. He just you know, perfected he, it. He could have fine tuned it, yeah. you know, but, it, but but Steen himself took his idea from what was happening in France. I, you know, so you know there was all this kind of. All these people are, are, are trying to do something, trying to crack the, trying to crack the code 
And, uh, and the sour uh, mash yeah. process, I know lots of people in the bourbon, we were talking about it, you know, they always say about Dr. Crow, yeah. who was a Scotsman, yeah. but he just perfected it. He, he, he perfected it. but for, uh, for, for, for bourbon only. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, what, what I would say is that you know, the technique would have been known beforehand. Absolutely. And the technique, I reckon, would probably have been used because America was making a huge amount of rum at that time. As yeah, well, on, on the eastern seaboard. So, right. and that that sour mashing technique, which is an ancient, ancient technique in, in terms of rum, you know, it predates sour mashing. It predates James Crow by almost two hundred years. Wow. Know, the, the first mention of, of 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 dunder being used for quality reasons in rum. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, what Crow did was actually work at science behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just a clever guy who was educated yeah. and taught them how to use. Yeah, instruments because, properly. Yeah, because he was Scottish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and named after a bird. And that's, we know that if your surname is, I don't know, after a mop or after a cleaning utensil, <laughs> the intelligence level goes down with each. Um, so while we're still on old world, why don't we try something from Canada? But it's an interesting one because it's a little bit of everything. So it's not just yeah. Canadian whiskey in there. Canada, as you know, they can add 9.09% other, and this is full of some other. But, but a tasty drink. So reading, reading Canadian whiskey history, that's certainly worse the German and the British immigrants rather than, yeah, the, yeah, than, uh, the, uh, than the Scots. Yeah, and English. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, when Scots went to Canada, they made rum. Uh, and, and so, yeah, the, uh, the, you know, Canadian distillation was English millers and, and German distillers. Uh, yeah, very much so. And everybody forgets Canada. Uh, it's a disgrace. Everybody forgets Canada. Canada is a disgrace. Oh, what do you mean? Sorry, did I misunderstand? That's yeah. very, that's very rummy, that is, isn't it? So Canadian Club Classic, twelve-year-old. It's forty percent ABV. You can see from the color, it's probably not any caramel added, but there's certainly some other spirits added. They add other spirits as well. I've, I mean, I've had some with um with. Canadian whiskey with sherry. Was it Oloroso added on the Alberta yep. Premium, which is a superb uh, Canadian whiskey as well. But um, I've never had this one. Yeah, that's a new whiskey allowed. discovery. It's, it's got one of these kind of described as kind of a thick nose. You know, yeah, the, you know, it's rich, quite sweet. Well, Canadian What's whiskey has kind of never dried had any... fruit characters. Yeah, it's got the fruitiness. I think it's an unusual thing to drink. Canadian whiskey straight. In fairness, most Canadian whiskeys consumed uh, mixed, probably with ginger ale or other other mixers. But this one, I think, is intended to be sipped. So they've really laid on the sauce to give it that thick nose, that thick palate. It is a chewy whiskey, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think now is a good time to open the envelope that says "Top Secret" because I'm gonna play a game with you. So we played different games in the past, Dave. We played uh, anadrams. We played um, what whiskey thing is Sam talking about? <laughs> Which is basically word association. Yeah, football. We've... And then you've got to try and work out what he's saying with his Canadian accent as well. It's tough. It's tough. Should be subtitled. <laughs> this game subtitled on a podcast <laughs> is called "Where in the World." <laughs> So as you could probably guess, the questions will be, I will, sorry, I will name a distillery and yeah. you will tell me and listeners at home, we will ask the guests in the studio, in the warehouse to wait a few seconds so people at home can play too. Okay. So even if you know it right away, give it a couple seconds before you blurt it out. Mm -hmm. um, and then we pull a cork. 
let's cue the background music so we have something cheesy going on in the background. And to buzz in, we will pull a cork. So if we could equip ourselves with some bottles with some good corks, that would be great. I should have grabbed them when we top, stopped for a break. So, um, so we do we we name the distillery. Uh, we know we name the country, and then when it was founded. That's good. And great. and their capacity. Yeah, for bonus for bonus points, Dave. <laughs> I've been reading all morning. No, I want to know the fermentation times <laughs> of Nantau. No, I'm <laughs> but yeah, you guess the premise. You, you have your buzzer, Dave. <laughs> Very good, and Dave. Sounds great. Squeaks don't count. It's got to be a full exit, full pull out. Okay. I want to hear. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Dave's trading one world whiskey for another to see if you get a different. Oh, that's oh, nice. It's, it's tidier in a way. Yeah. Nice. B flat. Nice. Yeah. Oh, C sharp. <laughs> okay, guys. This. <laughs> I think. I think they work. Are you ready? Let's begin. Devlin. David. Egypt. Did you look at this sheet? No, no, no. I, did. I had been reading the book on the train this morning and I picked some obscure ones and think I've got to remember that one, which I'm just racking through my head at the moment and I'm reading the book as I'm going through it. Reading, huh? So what's the fermentation time? Oh. How, many still, how many stills do they have? Um, I went onto the website actually uh, this morning oh, on the train uh, as well. Because I thought, I didn't believe that. I didn't believe they made whiskey in Egypt. Oh, so, right. You're listening so. to some podcast, right? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, there right. you go. Go. Helliers. Tasmania. Oh, oh, I knew that one. That was fast. That Dave. was fast. That was that very, was very fast. fast. Yeah. Broger. Sorry, I didn't understand your accent. <laughs> Broger. Broger. It's either it's either Germany or Austria. One of the two. David. David. Uh, Austria. Yeah. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Broger Distilleries in Austria. Warringham. That's in France. It's Amoric because I was only with them at the weekend. Amoric, yeah, that's the brand we all know. And yeah, it's the Warringham Distillery. Very well done. Brittany and La France. Viva La France. Puni. <laughs> Sorry? Puni. Puni. Italy. Italy. Italia. Puni. I got. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't have got on my knees in this park. Now I got Puni. <laughs> I should only stand in the park. Speaking of being drunk, High Coast. The old box distillery, High Coast, the old box distillery is, is Sweden. High Coast is in Sweden. It was called the box distillery, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was box. The artist formerly known as Box, I could oh, have also asked. That's right, I would have accepted that. Known as box. I like that, yeah. Kasauli. That's in India. Oh, oh. I'm showing up for work. <laughs> Three to two. Does it matter? Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter. Steph is so competitive. <laughs> Steph wants a mic. <laughs> Steph's looking at the answers as well. She's, yeah. she's betting. <laughs> she's running a running a card downstairs. Shall we continue? Aye, right, let's go. The next distillery, where am I? No, that's not what this game is called. Is Corsair. That's the US of A. That is the US of A. Can you name the state? Uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. Kent 
Kentucky and Tennessee. Continue. Ah, explain. Uh, well, no, he's only got... I can't continue for he's only in Kentucky and Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, he's not in Idaho, for example. <laughs> <laughs> is it Kentucky no. and Tennessee? Yeah, he's got distillery. He's right on the border. Yeah. Oh, see, extra. I, 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 I've got to give extra points. Okay, I'm walking out. Job done. <laughs> Dave Broom, I think you could. You should start writing about whiskey or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nukada. Say that again. Can you spell it? N-U-K-A-D-A. Nukada. Nukada. Not Nekadu. <laughs> or oh, knock and do. Not not knock do. Not and knock. Nukada. Nukada. No, I, I can't remember. Dave knows because he wrote, he did, did a great tour around the world supporting a wonderful book called Way of Whiskey. So it's somewhere in Japan. It is somewhere in Japan. <gasps> I hope that's right. You could have got a Oh yeah, I need points. Yeah, Steph, you're so competitive. I, I'm fine with zeros. <laughs> Lots of zeros after the one. Crianza. I'm saying it in the shittiest way possible. Crianzas. Crianza. I'll have two Crianzas, a croissant and a flat white. That'll be in Spain. That is in Spain. That's the Dick distillery. Huh? That's the Dick, yeah. That's yeah. where you get. Oh no, oh, that's that? not. No, Dick's a different one. Distillery. That makes sense. Distillery. Dave, you're good. Honestly, if there was a website that focused on Scotch whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> you would work there. Or oh, oh, worldwhiskey.com. Yeah, but hey. hey. Somebody call you. Me buy, buy that domain, somebody. <laughs> Is that it? I lost. I think you lost. I think one. I lost yeah. by quite a few. The good news is we had fun, didn't we? Well, we did. did. Yeah. I had a pretty good time. I didn't have to know anything. I remembered uh, a few. I had fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's keep talking about that. I didn't know about Egypt. That, that was that was. Well, I did read that, that one. There was. That well, came out I, I, I really wanted the Gold Cock Distillery to come out as well. I've heard about you always wanting a Gold Cock <laughs> to come out. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was really hoping for the Czech Republic Distillery to come out there. That was because that was one I do know, and I did go and try some of their whiskey when I was over there on a business trip a long time ago. Put some of it in your mouth or? <laughs> I just love the labels, yeah. Should we pour some South African whiskey? Yeah, well, if we're going to do that, let's start talking about the sort of the new, new world. Now, yeah. these distilleries might not be born yesterday or... Uh, might have been around for a bit longer than that. But as I said earlier, I think the whiskeys <laughs> pass the water to Dave. Every country in the world that drinks whiskey, whether it's American or Scotch or Irish or the classic five, the old Furious Five, everywhere is producing whiskey now. You know, many fruit distillers around Europe have moved over to grain and all over the world, America, Taiwan, Canada, craft small, small malt stillers and rye whiskey makers are popping up everywhere. So let's try a few. I know Dave, you're right. Under Boutique, you keep popping that cork. Under Boutique, there's quite a few world whiskeys, not just Scotch whiskeys bottled. Yeah, we've bottled whiskey from right around the world nowadays. Um, we've got some whiskey from Japan, Australia, New Zealand. Um, say the newest world whiskey is South Africa, and this is a single malt from Three Ships Distillery. Um, but we bottle whiskey from across Europe with uh, Sweden, uh, Swiskey, Switzerland. 
I love saying Swisky every time I get them in Swisky. Um, yeah, Sweden and Germany, we've had some German whiskey, but uh, yeah, this is a single malt from South Africa. It's a six year old, it's three years in bourbon, um, and then three years finished in PX casks. I was really fortunate that I went to the distillery earlier this year when I was doing a couple of um, events out in South Africa and I managed to swing by and, and actually stay at the distillery for one night. And it's just, the, the angel share there was just an amazing experience. They lose something like eight to ten percent, and if you get in there early in the morning, it's um, it's pretty heady. <laughs> you leave the door open for a bit. Yeah, they have huge ventilators in there just to uh, extract the air because uh, if you get if you rush straight in there, I think you'd probably fall over. So this is the James Sedgwick Distillery, released as three ships. Yes, when this, you see it. This is the James Sedgwick Distillery. Um, it's in Wellington, just sort of north. East of um, Cape Town, uh, in this big, great big wine growing valley. Um, yeah, well, as, as a wininess, funny you say that. As soon as I swallowed, so I could see now why Dave was scrambling. Dave Broom was scrambling for the water. This is fifty three point seven percent. It's 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 fairly pokey. I, I think it's utterly delicious. Uh, you know they they've made good whiskey there for for a very very long time. Probably best known for their uh, for the single grain. Uh, which was kind of the first one that they released under their own, own label. Yeah, it was a fully, yeah. fully South yeah, African yeah, fully whiskey South African. was uh, their single yeah. grain, yes. And it, was, it was almost like they didn't have the confidence, you know, because uh, they, they did have, I mean, Three Ships was was an admix of, uh, it was a bit of Lafroig, uh, there was, you know, uh, yeah, allied stuff there, going yeah. in, uh, yeah. plus their own distillate. Uh, yeah. But you know, they always made great whiskey, and I, I think this is utterly but, gorgeous. But the cor gorgeous. corn that they make, uh, yeah. grow over there, the corn whiskey, uh, the corn whiskey, the beans that they do is, is superb. Um, yeah. yeah. That's what I was over there um, talking about. I uh, wanted, wanted to get my hands on on some boutique beans, basically. That's what I'd love to get my hands on. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience to see what they're doing over there. Um, this tiny little distillery that's so, it is so pretty. I mean, the sun did eventually come out while I was over there. It never stopped bloody raining in Cape Town, and I never really saw the top of Table Mountain yeah. at all. I don't believe it was there. <laughs> Um, but the time we got out into into the vineyard, you know, Stellenbosch and, and and down into Wellington, and I did actually go across the Baines Baines Coop Pass. So that's what the the mountain whiskey is is named after. Baines uh, went right over this pass that was carved by hand, um, which is some feat. But yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah, beautiful little place, and uh, making some great whiskey over there. I'm just hoping that it gets out around the world. Going forward, yeah, yeah, because uh, it I, never I leaves so. South Africa. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Which, and, and it's an amazing market. Uh, you know, the, the, the enthusiasm for for whiskey over in South Africa is is off the scale. Uh, it really is. It's a it's a fantastic, fantastic market. Uh, and the, the way they switched from being very bloodlined into single malt uh, in a matter of like five, five, six years was really quite extraordinary. Uh, you know, big, big blend drinkers then suddenly. Glenfiddich took off and I took off you know, like, like an absolute train. Uh, I remember being at, at shows over there uh, and I, I'd taken over some bread breast and it was kind of the, the first single pot still that, that you know, maybe, maybe some folk had tried. And as we chased around the show by people <laughs> kind of going, give us a shot of that red breast kind of thing. You know, <laughs> the, the, the sheer love and enthusiasm for whiskey over there is just, it's absolutely heartwarming. Uh, and, and it's great to see them making fantastic whiskey, which kind of reflect the country. And uh, for me, that's the important thing that, you know, it, you can make whiskey anywhere, but you've got to make a whiskey that speaks of its place. Right. Uh, you know, and I, I think this does. Well, that enthusiasm has paid off because I think Bain's, 
people laugh at me when I say this, especially if I say it in the States, but I think Bain's making some of the best corn whiskey in the world. You yeah. can't say that in America, but I think I can't, I mean, really, yeah, Bain's is a gorgeous grain. And then they're also making great malts. So they're, they're ready for making their own yeah. blends. Yeah. And, domestically and, as well. and trying and seek at Draymond's as well. Uh, but it's yes. Kalmar uh, in Pretoria, which is probably one of the highest distilleries in the world, actually. Uh, he, he does yeah, really, really interesting single malts, uh, kind of cellular system, weird yeasts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, Great stuff. Great. Stuff. So weird yeast and people pushing the limits reminds me of Australia. So another sort of new world. Oh, is that okay? Is that... Seamless. Yeah. Well done, Dave. Thanks. Well, you should be in hospital radio. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually not a terrible idea. Guys, can we put this through hospitals? <laughs> Maybe not the children's ward, but huh? no, I'm getting, I'm getting big head shakes. Um, but Australia, for long ferments, trying different types of woods, um, pushing the limits, Tasmania, Let's go there. What's happening in Australia and Tasmania? Anybody? I, I mean, I've only, read a, a book. I've only read a few things about Australian whiskey. Uh, here, I'll Google it for you. And yeah, yeah, Google it. Let's Google it, yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, I don't know enough about Australian whiskey. I mean, most of the distilleries are, I know in Australia have always been small concerns, and so you couldn't get an awful lot of whiskey out there. It's all been sort of single cask stuff, and certainly the, the big winners from Australia have all been single cask, Sullivan's Cove and... Oh, what was the other one? I've got quite a few little samples of at home, but um, I can't remember off the top of my head now. But there is a big one that I see at the whiskey shows quite often yeah, now. Star Wars. Star Wars are doing some in, yeah. good stuff. So I think they're more of a commercial distillery rather than the craft distillery side of things. I, I, I agree with you. I think you know, the potential in Australia is quite incredible. I think there's some really great whiskies coming out of there. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, part of the issue was everybody was using kind of the same shape still. Uh, they were all uh, aging it in small casks. Uh, they were releasing them as tiny bottlings of single cask whiskies at, at top end. And yeah. Nobody really had volume. No. Uh, but now Star Wars have uh, definitely got volume. Archie Rose, uh, which just... Uh, next to Sydney Airport, they're about to move to a, a new site. They, they're going to have volume as well. And that's going to help the industry, you know, uh, because suddenly the price will come down. They'll be able to export it. More people will try it. Uh, and I think, yeah, we're about to see, I think, Australia's potential really beginning to explode. Uh, I, I've been mildly frustrated over, over the past few years. Uh, I, I think Australia should be further on the road uh, than it is uh, and I think with these two guys beginning to look at volume I, I think we'll, we'll really start to see more variation begin, beginning to appear within the, uh, the Aussie whiskey market but it's and, that, and that's great news it's interesting you said about the, the, the spirit reflecting the place because I think that does reflect the place because it's Tasmania that slowed the whole process down yeah. Tasmania refused to grow most Tasmanian distillers refused to grow to be widely available they were happily selling a barrel of Sullivan's Cove for a grand um at a slow pace and only yeah. making their craft whiskey the way, at the scale that they could afford to do it for yeah. until the end of time. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, Western Australia, the different attitude is like, we we can be bigger, we can be bolder, we can yeah. go for that. Yeah, so they, they are going yeah. for it. Oh, no, there's nothing wrong with volume. And there's nothing wrong with being, being small. You know, if that's going to be your model, it's fine if everybody is doing essentially the same thing. It's frustrating. You, know, yeah. you, you end up with, with not sufficient variations in the theme. Yeah, uh, they all, they all yeah. had the same stills, weren't they? Most of them yeah. were using exactly yeah. the same Bill, Bill yeah. Lark still or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. So, yeah so you know yeah but anyway, it's beginning you know some really interesting rise coming out there people are really playing around with it uh, there's peated whiskies you know the quality of the wood is incredible you know because they're using wine quality wood yeah. uh, you know there's you know the understanding of climate I think you know 
it takes time to, to begin to understand what your distillery can produce and what your country can do produce. Do they grow yeah. good corn over there, good grain? Uh, yeah, the grain is good, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think there, there probably could be more work done in, 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 in looking at barley varieties, but you know, I think mean, that's the same, same, about, around, same around the world, really. What about grain uh, whiskey? Do they do uh, corn? As far as I know, uh, nobody's done that yet. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Our, I, Felix, our cask buyer, just came back from Australia with, honestly, a suitcase full of, of whiskeys, and some of them were as young as two years old. And the day before, we had tasted 18-year-old Mortlocks. And I have to be honest, these two-year-olds blew the blew that those samples out of the water. It was a time that you realized, wait, Scotland needs to look yeah, out. Yeah, I, I think Scotland, it's a really good point, I think. Uh, some distillers have got it in Scotland, and I think there's an awful lot of other distillers who are still astoundingly complacent about what's happening uh, in the rest of the world. You know, it's kind of well, we, we've you know we've had the dominant position for a hundred years, which Scotch has had. Therefore, we must be the best. Therefore, we just need to keep on doing what we're doing, and you know, don't worry about anybody else. Well, sorry, guys. Uh, but Dave, isn't there something to be said for that? Because in twenty years, we're going to go back to vinyl. We might, we might go back to Scotland because <laughs> yeah. when all this innovation has gone too wacky, and we're there, there, but the innovate things have to move forward. You know, you don't have to overstretch it. You don't have to try and be what you're not. But you have to continue. You have to be cognizant of of what is happening around the world. Mm. Uh, and for me, one of the great things about Australian whiskey, or Swedish whiskey, or, or, or whatever, is that they've all they've defined themselves as being not Scotch and defined therefore defining themselves as being where they're from. Yeah. Whereas Scotch, I think, because it's been on its own for so long, hasn't really defined itself. Doesn't really know what it is. It's this kind of existential crisis it's going through. You know, what's who am I? What is, <laughs> you know, what, what, what's my role in, in, in this new whiskey world? And I think some distillers ha have realised it and grabbed it and sort of say, well, you know, place is really important. Flavour is really important. And we can define what makes Scotch different to everything else around the world and use our dominant position in an advantageous way. But other distillers simply aren't. And I think they will be caught out. I mean, Scotch yeah. is unique in that it was founded upon, you know, the blended, the blended industry rather than the malt industry. Whereas all the new distilleries, these new world distilleries are starting up from, from you know, building their own market, building their own style, which was exactly what the old Highland distillers would have done 150 plus years ago. Um, it was their local market, and this is what these guys are trying to do today: is to to stamp and saying this is you know getting that local following, getting that uh, support from their their local communities. It's back to being a community drink. Absolutely, okay. absolutely, yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about Australian whiskey, which we were just speaking about, is you know the, the whole world has different. You've just been reading the book. Okay, maybe. <laughs> no, no, I did. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm not Googling it on my phone. Oh, no, you're not yeah, Googling no, it on my phone. No, right. Anyway, I, this phone is, I didn't find anything useful in the book. But one, one, I, I do think, as a Canadian who moved to Scotland um, and learning the word like cleric or what the, 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 the name of the spirit when it comes off the still. You know what the name of the spirit when it comes off the still in okay. Australia is? No, no. no. New milk. New milk. <laughs> Which new I love. Ah. Yeah. Or Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. That's uh, new milk. New milk. I like new milk. Too. Yeah. New milk yeah. yeah. What's that like? Colostrum. Yeah. <laughs> it's the healthiest bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life giving. The water. It's like yeah. Water. The, it's Latin for yeah. New milk is Latin for colostrum. Or colostrum <laughs> is Latin for Australian whiskey. All right. Where else in the world is making great whiskey? I know that um, we've been over to see Patrick at Zwe uh, Zwe Yeah. Zidam. Yeah. Thank Zidam. you. Yeah. Uh, making oh, yeah. rye and malt. 
and sell fruit spirits as well. Yeah. And, and they're always playing with different. They're playing with different yeasts. When I last spoke to Patrick, he was talking about playing with different yeasts, and I love that they have a multitude of different still sizes Malt. and shapes as they a multitude. Hey, sneaked it in there without the book, Sam. Um, oh, but, oh, and I just remembered. Sorry, just, thanks for pointing that out. Legally, we have to always reference the books that we're using for these programs. I have not lifted anything from this book other than lifting the actual book itself, which I'm worth saying that Dave Orlington has a few segments in this book. But this is the Clay Risen edited. Oh, no, it's edited by someone else. Actually, I'm going to screw that up. Let me get it right, and then we'll just we'll do a sound cut later. Sorry. Continue, Dave. Seriously, no, it's all, it, we record it all live. It's completely live, and it's totally smooth. We don't, we don't even edit it. I forgot what I was even talking about. I know now. it's hard to believe, but we don't edit this at all. Uh, you're talking to Patrick. Ah, we to, I was talking to Patrick, yeah. And, uh, the, uh, I was over here reading the The numerous book. different stills and shapes and sizes that he's, they've, as they've evolved, as, uh, as the family business has grown, they've added more stills. And yeah, they were growing different varieties of, of barley. And now you, the rye that they've been doing has been superb. But he was also playing with yeast, which is something Scotland has been a little slow, I think, in, in picking up there, looking at different yeasts to create different flavor profiles again stamping their their authority on their their style of whiskey yeah no i, I think he's one of the great distillers in the world you know he's just an awesome guy he's uh spelt i don't know if you tried any stuff he's made from spelt it's amazing you know uh yeah he's a really smart smart boy i, I think there's some great stuff coming out of uh, scandinavia uh i think some amazing stuff coming out of england uh yeah you know the the first releases from lakes are off the scale you know, right they're just fantastic yeah, the, new, the utterly, new makes utterly fantastic. The yeah. new make spirit that I've tried off of off, off of Lakes and um, the Cotswolds and yeah. and of the English Whiskey Company, yeah. the new make spirit or yeah. the new milk um, <laughs> is is has has been You know, I could yeah. drink it. I mean, I, I I'm all about the new make yeah. and, and drinking it off the still or tasting it. I'm not drinking bucket loads of it, but tasting it straight off the still is just one of my my favorite things to do. It's just you just get that character of the of the distillery of what they're trying to do there. So yeah, we've got some great distillers in the UK as well. Yeah. But worthy, isn't it weird that it? No, I was just at the Oslo whiskey show on the weekend and trying to convince people to try the Cotswold three year old, the boutique bottles. So you must see this all the time. Do people turn their nose up when you say, "Hey, try the English whiskey"? You know, there's a six year old you have. Do people? Or they reach for the 19-year-old Klein Leash? Um, I didn't have... I mean, we did have the three-year-old Cotswolds on the table in Denmark, and everyone wanted to try it. Um, nice. Be, and yeah, they did. They were... They wanted to try it. They want... They, they, oh, I've never had an English whiskey before, so let's get, let's go for it. Cool. Um, yeah, they were, the right they, they, they were really up for trying new stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think things have changed fundamentally recently. You know, it, it's... You know, it, very, it was the case. You know, it was... You know, uh, oh my goodness, it's an English whiskey. You know, are, are they even allowed to make whiskey? You know, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. You know, oh, I bet not. I don't think I'll bother trying it. I know. I, I think everybody knows that whiskey is being made and good whiskey is being made all around the world, and that kind of prejudice is disappearing and disappearing fast. Uh, and that's fantastic, fantastic news. Well, I totally agree. We at Boutique have taken that as a jumping-off point because I think, yeah, the world is making great whiskey, and so we are thinking about what could we do within the boutique world to continue that. And of course I borrowed this idea from the Scotch distilleries. Remember probably 200 years ago, the reputation of most Highland malts without their rot gut or they're inconsistent or uh, too expensive or just you know n not widely desirable for anyone south of Hadrian's Wall. And the only way to make it 
desirable was to blend it. These tea blenders starting to taking whiskey and from different distilleries, taking some grain whiskey, mixing it together to make something that could be repeatable, but also hits the palates of the masses um, to fit the, the the glasses of the middle classes as well, because brandy had, had disappeared and cognac had disappeared. So with Boutique, we thought we could do something similar. We already buy, like you said, English, South African uh, whiskey from all over the world. Could we take some of those craft distillers um, that most people maybe are too afraid to try on their own, put them together? Or, or it's a niche audience. It's an audience who you know has their own blog and their own video, video log and, and Instagram feed and their major influencers put it in a uh, Glen Cairn glass and write a post about it. Frown, frown, frown. What I was saying was by taking all these different craft distillers that are strong, they are strong flavored and maybe not to everyone's liking on their own, but when you mix them together, they can all sing a different part of a, the same song or the same choir, blend it together on top of great corn whiskey, like the great Scotch distilleries and Scotch blends were built upon as well. And we made something called the World Whiskey Blend. And we've had that noise in the background the whole episode. And that is, I think about 3,200 bottles of that boutique company's world whiskey blend going down the line. Yay! Yay! That's the first ones. It's Long exciting. last. Yeah. So the idea behind that was really to try and make a whiskey for the way the world drinks whiskey. Most boutique releases are one-off, single casks, uh, or small batches, high strength to be drunk by some nerd with a Glencairn glass. We wanted to also make a boutique that celebrates the craft distillers from around the world, but also making it in a, in a way that can be drunk um, the way the world drinks whiskey really you know with mixers it's made for mixing it's for highballs and all the ways we you know in canada we grew up drinking whiskey with ginger ale as we really wanted to celebrate a truly global flavor and that's what boutique world whiskey blends all about well as soon as they're coming off the bottom of the line now and i can see them going into boxes we better run down and get a bottle now i guess yeah yeah good idea let's run down and get one I've got it. It's so much bigger in real life. Wow. It looked so small down there. So they are they are bottled in 70 centiliters, 700 mils. Most boutiques are in... All boutiques are 500 mils at the moment. But yeah, they're never, you know, boutiques never said they're single cask or even cask strength. But uh, yeah, some of them obviously are. This one we bottle at 41.6% alcohol by volume. Uh, why 41.6, Sam? It's just a nice drinking strength. It is perfect, is it? Dave's got it. Dave's going to open it. Mr. Broom is opening the bottle. That's the first one off first the line. First one, yeah. Well, first one we've grabbed off the line. There it oh. goes. Sounds the same as every other whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and after knocking drinking whiskey in a Glencairn glass, here we are putting it in little tasting glasses. But it really is to be drunk long. Um, it, of course, can be sipped. You can get all the nuances from the, the rye whiskeys that are in it, the malt whiskeys that are in it from all over the world. Uh. Um, but really the way to drink it is the way that my friend Steph is lining it up for us to be drunk. Steph de Camilo May is here with some beautiful highball glasses with green tea, with soda, with tonic, with Coca-Cola, with coconut water. Oh, with ice, as you can hear, with some peaches. I guess that's a garnish. So I guess and I shouldn't really sip it out of the bottle then. Go. Yeah. Drink it any way you like. Good doctor. That's delicious. Yeah, I, I love that, the sweetness, but the spiciness coming through as well. Yeah, it's going to mix fantastically, you know. On the rocks, it would work extremely well. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the, the highball treatment. 
Nice. Yeah, that smells right. And it smells, smells great. A little bit of spice on the top there. Yeah. So we're using Dutch rice and American rice. Almost like a little bit spice. of ginger cake coming off for me. Nice. Could that Jamaican be? ginger cake off uh, the nose. Yes. Yeah. But with, with that kind of white icing as well, you know, that kind of that sweet fondant icing. Right. With an inappropriate message written on the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Satan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Some yeah. Fresh, delicious. Love the finish. It's got this great kind of gingery finish coming coming through. Well. That ginger comes, yeah, yeah. But it's that yeah. sweet, sweet ginger yeah. rather than a yeah, cakey ginger. Yeah, yeah very good. Cool. And then, and then dries off, uh, but which I think it's going to be really good with mixers because the mixers will extend it and just kind of pull it back a little bit further on the palate. So yeah, oh, bring that, it on. Yeah, CI. bring it on. We're Blending with the craft whiskey category, bringing the world together, solving the world's problems. It's just beautiful. So yeah. can you tell us what's in this one, Sam? I can, but I, I really should get my laptop open to, to make sure I do it accurately, because I think transparency is pretty important to us at Boutique, to us around this table, to whiskey drinkers, is keeping it as Ooh, honest you, and Steph. open as possible. One so, problem I can see us having with Royal Whiskey Blend is that some of the suppliers will change because we won't be able to get the same type of cast from say copper works in seattle washington in the u.s every time is one fear i have is that we can get an awesome um port cask from archie rose which is great but maybe we can't get that next year so i'm a little nervous about um the consistency of talking about the, the members of the group it's like it's like johnny walker blue or something not that i'm comparing this whiskey to johnny walker blue but i remember when i first got into whiskey i think it was charlie mclean who said that it includes um 19 20s ocher tool or something some you know some old piece of information and then i propagated that myth by putting on putting that online and you look online you look in books and that fact <laughs> seems to be yeah. still permeating the ether it's out it's out there and that's the that's a dangerous thing about and i've said this to john glazer who's big advocate of transparency if you say one year this includes 50 year old gervin and next year it doesn't but you just don't promote it as much that yeah. information still yeah. that's yeah. the catch of transparency that i'm a little nervous about speaking about every member of each time we do the blend but there are a few that i can mention at this point who promise to be consistent uh, partners of ours going forward well, well, was it fairly hard uh blending such kind of big feisty styles together well dave if you grab um there's a small bottle there you see that small bottle and i think on the front it says wwb malt content yeah and malt's a misnomer but it's the, the, the way that you would talk about it in scotch yeah. whiskey blending um it's rye and malt and wheat and corn whiskey in that but that's like the, the flavoring against yeah. the 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 grain and rye base from canada um yeah, I'm sure it's great. I can't get a bottle open. Okay. <laughs> Use your hand. There you go. Oh, yeah, so you're using your feet. You... Dave. Who put this on? Gorilla mix on. No, I can't. No, it's not. Really? <laughs> Jim, it's an exclusive club, people who can drink this whiskey. So, uh, <laughs> I, lo I loosened it for you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Thank you so much. Like a jar of pickles. And I'm getting notes of pickle. No, but so that's the... That's the, the malt content so you say i'm strong yet i would specifically want yeah. strong ingredients because it has to be able to sing and you know when you put a strong ingredient on top of north british yeah. grain and scotch whiskey a little bit of three-year-old sherry lafroy like a drop sings it's like illuminated yeah. by the light of the grain whiskey here the grain whiskey is very forgiving and very flattering to some of the flavors in there so i think that it's a it's a probably a whiskey that's too big to sip on its own i think it's a bit strong but as a flavoring malt malt blend yeah. 
Um, no, so, yeah. I, I think it works really well together because quite often the, the, the more the more components you put into a blend, the, the more difficult it gets. You know, uh, you know, there could be too few and there could be sometimes too many because things begin to fight with each other. But the, the, this that's not happening here. You know, yeah, I totally. Agree. That is a, that yeah. is an yeah. amazing thing that I've even just farting around here with Steph or with with you, Dave, too. And we fart around in here and. and put different whiskeys together. We can do that later t today as well, Dave. And you start, you notice that, okay, well, this is really peppery. Let's put it with this banana thing. We'll have banana pepper. Often, yeah, it's not. They, 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 it doesn't happen like right. that. So it's it's a pain in the ass, but it's also beautiful and, and takes trial and error. So, um, yes, yeah, so we have some American bourbons, um, none of which I can main right now, but American single malts. I think I already mentioned Copperworks. I have a bottle over there, batch two of their single malt, which I'm... Halfway through, sadly, but it'll be a piece of history. Um, very cool distillery, very lovely people who run it. And uh, the stills actually a nod to both Glen Morangy and Balvenie in that they imitated the exact shills, still shape size, but just um, reduced the, the size of them. Um, Langaton, uh, some Indian single malt. Mm -hmm. Okay. From, uh, from Paul John? Could be. Could be. It is indeed, yes, okay. sir. Taiwanese whiskey from Cavalan or Omar. Omar, could be, could be. So we're talking to Cavalan now about um, using them in the future. But yes, for this one we had uh, Nanto. Nanto. They've been so nice to deal with, and um, oh, cool. The, the the flavor of the there's a sample there of their regular bourbon cast, which is what we bought. Uh, bourbon barrels. It's just big, fudgy banana. Yeah, it's good. It's it's good juice. Yeah. Type of flavor. Um, we were talking about Patrick Zoidam's uh, rye. So his three-year-old rye and his six-year-old malt are in here. Uh, some Swedish whiskey. So it's a true multinational. Yeah, I got, exactly. I could keep going. But all, all corners of the world, yes, I, I won't. I won't read the ingredients. Um, but of course, Irish and Scottish as well, because that just makes sense. Yeah. So really, is, it is, it's a world whiskey uh, blend, but it's also it's, it's trying to incorporate a lot of the craft distillers that we use in boutique. So we mentioned, you know, Sedgwick or whatever, distilleries around the world. Yeah. And hopefully that list will get longer and we'll have more partners to continue a project like this. That'd be good. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, I like it. And it works. Steph, what's... What, yes. Steph's made us some... First of all, the glassware is beautiful, but Steph, you made us a drink. What is this? We started out with uh, just a simple actual highball, which is going to be just World Whiskey Blend and Soda. And then I garnished it with peach. Because I think the honeyed notes in World Whiskey Blend and Peach are just a really nice combination. And I think with getting people interested in how to drink World Whiskey Blend and understanding it's a mixer, I've gone down the route of like, if you like this, then try that. So this one is my, if you like champagne or Chardonnay, have a World Whiskey Blend and soda. Cool. That's, That's gorgeous. Interesting you just said Chardonnay because I I, it was grapey and whiny to me taste-wise. That's the wish. So, that peach coming across, yeah. yeah. Peach does? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's yeah. delicious. Mm. So highball. So this this idea, David, I think I've told you this before, but your unusual, all your books are a bit unusual. <laughs> Thank you. But you're, <laughs> don't get me started on your shoes. The, uh, have it over there, the manual, Whiskey the yeah. Manual. So that book focused on a bit of history, a bit of production, a bit of, you know, status of the, the world of whiskey at the time of publication. But the coolest, most influential bit, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, I would hazard to say um is that you reviewed each of the whiskeys in the book not by nose and taste alone but as as mixers yeah. as as they're drunk around the world both with well you can tell us more yeah yeah i mean 
the principle behind the book was, you know, there's lots of great books out there about whiskey production, whiskey history, uh, books on with tasting notes, etc. But they stop, and it's kind of, this is how it's made, and this is what it tastes like, and then it's, yeah, then what? Uh, and th there wasn't anything out there that said, how, how do you drink whiskey? How, how do you how do you maximise your pleasure with, with this particular whiskey? Uh, so I decided to try 102 whiskies. Only 102 because Buxton had written a book called 101 Whiskies uh, to try before you die. So I did 102 just to piss him off, basically. Uh, so 102 whiskies, and they were all tried five five ways. You know, everything was tried with soda, uh, ginger ale, cola, uh, then green tea and coconut water because green tea and coconut water are the big mixers either in in Latin America or or, or Asia. Uh, and it was fascinating to see. What, how different whiskies behaved in different ways, and you know what the, not just what the best mixer was, but uh, stylistically, you know which which one suited ginger ale better, uh, why cola is an absolute bugger to to, to work with, uh, and you know it was it was a fascinating exercise really. Well, it was amazing to see that yeah. some of them exactly that you would think would go with coke because everything goes with coke, doesn't it? Yeah. No, no, so I, 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 I would say it's hardly any whiskies go with coke. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought that was yeah. a cool thing about yeah. the book. And Apart from like a villain, yeah, like a villain. Oh. Brilliantly, smoky yeah, cookie. Yeah, smoky you launched cookie. a whole problem, Dave. Way to go! Um, but for those who don't know, green tea is is not like a hot cup of green tea. The green tea mixer that you see in nightclubs and bars across Asia um, is that sweetened yeah. bottled green tea, um, which I think is what Steph is serving us right now, all highball style. Yes, except for we couldn't find any sweetened ones, so I've just added a dash of simple syrup. So this is probably a little bit less sweet than they would drink it in China. But that's kind of the beauty of it is you can adjust it to your sweetness and then garnished it with a cucumber today because I thought those kind of vegetal fresh yeah. notes and you never really see cucumber and whiskey together. And there's an old cocktail I pulled out of a book and it's muddled cucumber with whiskey and stirred and it makes no sense. And it's absolutely flipping fantabulous. So I thought, let's go for a cucumber. Yeah, but it works an absolute treat. Green green tea is just a gorgeous, gorgeous mixer. Uh, it shouldn't be too too sweet. Uh, don't go for Japanese green tea; it's, it's a bit too vegetal. Uh, but you know, uh, but 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 if you sweeten it up, it, it works. It works a treat. Uh, so Chinese or Korean, uh, as that bottle one, which is already kind of slightly sweetened, uh, that that's sweet to do it. Uh, but yeah, if it's too dry and too vegetal, it just kind of yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a real clash. Uh, but no, th I, I think this this works beautifully. You can still taste the whiskey coming yeah. through. Uh, yeah, wonderfully refreshing. Actually, have you been have you been pouring doubles, Steph? No, singles. These are singles. Okay. Mm -hmm. Singles so, in like maybe hundred mils a mixer. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't want to get you guys too drunk. No, we're not drinking all of them, but dangerously drinkable. And it seems to be crisper uh, than, than the first one as well. It's like cucumber, isn't it? It's sort yeah. of bringing that summer, real summery, yeah. summery feel to it all. Very refreshing. There's something about the ritual of drinking around the world too that people forget. I think when you're used to, I mean, I fell in love with, we didn't talk about it off the top of the show because, you know, it's my ego. But I fell in love with whiskey in Scotland and in a whiskey appreciation society both the smws and also this university of edinburgh water of life society and people sat around with glenn cairns mm -hmm. sticking your nose and go oh yeah so quiet oh, I do. that's delicious oh i know Stephen. mostly english people one scot one swede and the swede was a woman she was the only woman in the group um but we sat around taking it very seriously and academically and that's one of many ways to enjoy whiskey like you like dave just said a moment ago the point is to enjoy it yeah. so drink it how you like um, and I love that in China, seeing people order at a nightclub, all ages, 
every sex and gender ordering, uh, let's say, a Chivas, which was the normal thing in this particular nightclub I was at. And it would come the full bottle of Chivas so everyone could see you were drinking Chivas, a decanter to decant it into, then a smaller one to put the green tea into, then another one with ice to put into your glass. And you would just go sort of like a tea ritual of, of social drinking. It was such a beautiful shared experience, I thought. And I, I think it, that's so important. You know, there is people sharing whiskey and enjoying it and just using whiskey not to get hammered on, but, but it's just there as the, the social lubricant, I, you know, yeah. as, the, as, as something just which binds people together, you know, and they're not taking it too seriously, but it's there and it's part of that ritual. And that's what whiskey is, has done for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, that, that's its potency. The, you know, that, that's whiskey's power. Uh, there's not many other drinks that, that you can do that with. Uh, that have that, that, that sort of ritual. You know, I don't see people sitting around with bottles of gin and tonic. Uh, no. You know, no, you know no. and you don't see it with cognac, but you see it with whiskey. Uh, I think in the UK and, and probably Western Europe, uh, that, you know, if, if you go to, if you go to Asia, if you go to Africa or, or wherever, you know, that, you know, Latin America, Boom, that's the, way, that's the way you get your whiskey. You know, you get the bottle of whiskey, you get the, the lots of ice, you get mixers, so you're drinking, you seem to be drinking a bottle of whiskey, but you're actually drinking it very dilute, and it's 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 just the way to enjoy it. It's and we think it's weird, and it's not. It's no. kind of <clears throat> sensible. It's, it's actually <laughs> yeah. a really sensible way to drink it. But uh, but <laughs> the kind of the, re the reverse, and, and, and one of the problems that, that, that I found with, uh, with, with the manual was that the people were coming up to me and going, but I don't want to drink my Lagavulin with Coke. And I go, well, you don't have to. This is just, yeah. this is an option. This is kind of showing that, that there are alternatives. You don't have to drink it one way. You can drink it whatever way you want. Yeah. This is exactly but, what I yeah, say to people yeah. as well. I said, well, just go yeah. in a coffee shop. How many ways can you have coffee? You know, I have my coffee. It's either short and black or long and black. I don't really want all those sweet things. I know they're all there. I don't even look at the menu. I just yeah. ask for an espresso, a double espresso, or an Americano. And that's the way I like my coffee. But, you know, whiskey, I do like to experiment with the other flavors because th this is this is exciting. But, yeah. 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 And, and some whiskeys, you know, you, you'll say, fine, yeah, I want to have it neat or I want to have it in the rocks. So. Yeah. You know, it depends what time of the day, it's what just the weather's a, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a drink, relax with it. Yeah. But Dave, I think someone yeah. like you, don't undersell yourself, I think someone like you saying something like that and publishing it in a book is massive because I think a lot of people who are worried, can I add ice to my yeah. whiskey? God forbid, ginger ale. Yeah. When I'm, If I care about whiskey, I'm not supposed to do that. Well, they've learned that somewhere. For someone like you saying that, I think it changes people's comfort with drinking. It's good for, for all whiskey to be able yeah. to approach it like that and actually enjoy primarily. What do we have here now, Steph? This looks, I see green apple, Granny Smith's, my grandmother's this is, favorite. <clears throat> this is gorgeous. This is our whiskey tonic. So this is the creation that we came up with last year when we were targeted with having the most epic night we could possibly throw for people. Um, so yeah, whiskey, a little bit of fever tree tonic on top, and then Granny Smith apple, which makes absolutely no sense. And it's so tasty, because I hate tonic, and I would still drink this. So this, something happens. This is gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. the best yet. Yeah. Well, it really shouldn't work, but it yeah, does. It shouldn't, yeah. it makes no yeah. sense at all. But yeah. something about it, it the, the rye, the honey, the sweetness, there's, it takes out the bitterness from the tonic really nicely, yeah. Well, it's those kind of estuary top notes, and the, you know, the, and the apple coming and in. Apple, do it together, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that that really, yeah, that that's taken me by surprise. That's that's a cracker. I mean, anyone you, I can't see anyone not liking this. I mean, you, you, there's none of that 
you can taste, I can taste the whiskey, but you've still got that apple and you've got that little bit of tonic coming through. But they, you know, most people think of whiskey and they just think of burn. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think of whiskey and burn, I must admit, but it's the way I think people used to drink it when they were in, as a student. And this, I think, will be the way we can get people who are like, oh, I don't, all my girlfriends are, I don't drink brown spirits. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's, let's figure that out why you don't drink brown spirits. You drink vodka tonics all night. Okay, let me slip one of these in there and see what you say then. I know I can get them to drink something besides, I mean, I like vodka too, but you know. Yeah. Oh, that's it. World of Whiskey Blend's so good, it's comparable to, to vodka. <laughs> as good as vodka. Yeah. We can put that on the bottle, right? Yeah. What was the other thing you said? Is that fucking fantabulous? Or what, there was some other... Fantabulous. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take that. Dave, you can have that. Uh, that's that's like tip for tap. Yeah, yeah. typical. <laughs> yeah. All, the, all, all that work and how many how many how many episodes of blending did you go through? How many variants did you get to get to this? And it's being compared to vodka now. Well, we'll no, take no, it. No, I know. There is a mental block for a lot of people. You say, "Oh, we like a whiskey," and "Oh no, I don't drink whiskey." But people people have gravitated to gin. There's a massive gin boom. Of course, we all know about why. What, what's been the thing about it? People are connoisseurs of juniper. No, it's because they know how to drink it and they're comfortable to order it with tonic. Even if it's some fucked up name that they never heard before, it's they know how to drink it. So there, there's that. There's not a barrier that there has been or that there continues to be. With, yeah, with but, but I also think that there's a huge amount of work still needed in, in the UK educating bar staff to actually encourage people to drink the highballs. I mean, I, I was refused a highball the other the other week in Scotland. You know, the, the bar the bartender refused to make me a highball. And you're like, do you know who I am? No, no, I was, you know, <laughs> and, and it was kind of, fun. no, no, it's malt whiskey. We, we will never mix malt whiskey with anything in this bar. You know, so I bought a malt whiskey and I bought a bottle of soda and, and I, I made it myself. But that, that was the attitude. And, you know, and if we, we don't educate the... If we don't educate the on-trade and then the bartenders, who are the front line, let's face it, uh, then we're hiding to nothing. Can you imagine that, yeah. make, yeah. making you, but making someone feel stupid for their order? Yeah. It yeah. yeah. goes against yeah. the whole, yeah. oh, yeah. Fuck, that yeah. pisses me off, actually. Hospitality? Hmm. Yeah. Disgust. Yeah. But you know, the, the, that's what we're up against. Putting the uh, hospital yeah. in hospital. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Pits. Oh, I can see Steph working hard over there. So I keep going back to just the straight spirit. Um, to remind myself what's in there because it is a totally different side of this green i smell green apples now probably because we just had that green apple yeah. garnish tonic but um the power of suggestion it is really that fresh so kind of grassiness coming through as well uh, which which is one reason that it goes so nicely with the green tea probably how long did it take you to put this together how many 25 hours? 26 seconds yeah i think the the actual recipe was very difficult because it was different ingredients all the time. We didn't know um, Toby Cutler, our head uh, spirits buyer, uh, and Felix, who I already mentioned, and Wingo in the States, who we last episode woke <laughs> up early in the morning. There'll be another episode of Wake Up Wingo one day, we hope. They sourced various whiskeys, and as we were working on this really over the last year, it was different spirits throughout. So it, it, that, that was challenging, but I definitely learned a lot about the uses of the different grains. So rye and malt do different things in a blend, um, pot still rye versus column still rye, pot still corn versus um, column still corn. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say to actually get it to the flavor of that malt content the way we wanted the flavor of the malt content to be, it's probably six months. Right. And then getting it all aligned. The, the hardest thing has been getting it all aligned into the country. 
to arrive at a similar time into Liverpool. We took it into Plutus in Liverpool. Thank you guys. Uh, where they blended it for us and then shipped it down here. And then the stuff, uh, the Hiram Walker, thank you guys too. Um, corn whiskey and rye whiskey from Canada came at a similar time, was blended up there for us and then sent down for our guys to take care of down here. So it's been, it's been a probably a year in the making, well, yeah. I think. Number four of the Seven Wonders mixes. What's, what's this one then, Steph? This is with coconut water. So this is um, more of our South American and kind of Asian-inspired one. Um, it's an unsweetened co coconut water, so I just added a splash of simple syrup in there. But this one, I think, is probably my favorite because you know how coconut has that weird salty, I don't, it's not salty, but it is, you know, you know what I'm trying to say here, but I'm not saying it. I know it. what you're trying not to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that one works really well, especially with the Canadian and American whiskeys in there, because everyone says, you know, Canadian whiskey, American whiskey, coconut, vanilla, coconut, vanilla. It's like, can you give me another tasting? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, because bourbon cast, we always say those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good mm -hmm. point. So you've, you've just added coconut water to the whiskey here, Steph? And a splash of simple syrup. And a splash of simple and then syrup. garnish that one with lime. Garnish with lime. Yeah. Oh, that makes me, I, I could eat a bowl of soup, full, full noodles right now it with that. Is this so, is so, so refreshing. Yeah, dangerously. I've never had whiskey with coconut water before, so this is, yeah. A whole, a whole continent does it. That's what's, I, it's amazing. I, I really only who drinks realize it, I'm Who drinks sport. it with coconut water? South America. South America. Oh, that's because I haven't been there then. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it's it's just a great mix of it because you've also got textural thing with the coconut water. It's quite thick, so you get this kind of mummy thing going on. Yeah, uh, as well as that kind of salty, almost bitter character, and it's just it's just fantastically complex. The key with coconut water, which obviously you've done here, Steph, is uh, keep it cold. You know, if it's not cold, it's like miso soup. It's really horrible. You know? It's really not good. So yeah, yeah, have it nice and cold, but you know, hugely, hugely refreshing. Yes, it's gorgeous. You know? You don't have to drink them all, Dave. Jesus, you're going to be wasted. Hey, hey, <laughs> so, right, I'm on the train. Oh, three. You know? <laughs> oh, you can sleep. You'll miss your station. You'll end up. <laughs> oh, Where will I end up? I'll end up. On the bridge? Yeah. That's a fun game to play. Where will I end up after a night of drinking? Where in the world is Dave Wasabi? <laughs> <laughs> I've done the Brighton bounce a few times, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> get on a train in London, go to Brighton, still asleep, go back up to London again. That's not pleasant. Mm -hmm. Whiskey ginger, just the way we do it in Canada. So Very I grew classic. up on these rye and gingers, we call it. It wasn't necessarily rye whiskey, but just what you call it. You just would order, uh, yeah, rye and ginger, and you would get, I guess, some Canadian Gibson's Rare, I think it was called, was the most common one. Anyway, with ginger ale, tell us about this one then, Steph. Yeah, I found what the closest thing to your ginger ale would be. There was no Canada Dry, so I have Schweppes, oh. which is decent enough. It's it's still not quite there. Um, garnished with lemon. I mean, this we're getting into like normal serves, I would call them now. Things people have had before they're used to drinking. So, yeah, but it works. Yeah, it's classic. I mean, ginger is just the perfect match because you've got that spiciness it pulls the flavor along yeah extends the extends the flavor it's just a, a natural natural mix uh i mean if you don't like whiskey and ginger you know yeah, give up i mean give up yeah, yeah. <laughs> go home netflix you know, and canadian whiskey and ginger is brilliant bourbon is a much it works a lot better with ginger than it does with the cola Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. So, and many whiskeys, Glenmorangie, um, 
is monkey shoulder whiskeys that are put put into first fill bourbons in Scotland go great with ginger because yeah. it brings up this banana yeah. thing the ginger somehow. I, I actually, any first fill bourbon with coconut water is brilliant as well. Oh. It takes you right into kind of pina colada territory. Yeah, uh, you know, nice. you know Glenmorangie and coconut water is a, is a thing of astonishing beauty. As is Bomore. Well, Glenmorangie yeah, does pretty well shitty. in the manual. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in the mixers. It's such it, a lovely mix. It's amenable. Yeah. I need to do more mixing. I mean, these are Real. all highball styles and exactly what I want to be drinking on, on a warm summer's, yeah. summer's evening. Yeah. Um, it's not what I want to be drinking in the middle of the winter ordinarily. But um, yeah, certainly when I'm sitting outside yeah. on a nice warm evening, it's, you know, highballs is what I've moved on to at the moment. I just... I've just been whiskey and soda, but yeah, this whiskey ginger, whiskey coconut water, yeah, I'm going to be trying this for well, you sure. Know, I mean, I would say, you know, if I'm going out to a party or, you know, going out to the pub with friends, you know, I don't drink, I really don't drink a huge amount of beer. I never, never have really drunk a huge amount of beer, but I'll drink highballs. Yeah, you know, I've, I've switched know, to highballs. You know, it's low alcohol. Uh, it, you know, it's a relative amount of volume, so you're not just like nicking back a neat whiskey you know, every time somebody buys around. And yeah, it, and it's a wonderfully refreshing thing. Well, I've definitely noticed, I've, yeah. you know, as a global ambassador for Balvenie for years, meeting a lot of bartenders, spending time out with whiskey writers and, and people, more and more people who are around drinks regularly are drinking highballs. Yeah ordering highballs and getting made fun of for it yeah. it turns out but maybe because of that because it just it's a little break from the strong spirit you don't have to think about it it's it's to be enjoyed and sip slowly and lower abv and the rest of it Ooh, another one thanks steph what's this whiskey coke so coca-cola we could have gone for the fancier ones but we went for red old normal coca-cola i made sure though to get the one with real sugar because nowadays with the sugar tax you get the one with the the fake sugar and that shit's gross don't drink that it's bad for your health it'll kill you <laughs> go back to real sugar um yeah so whiskey coke slice of orange this is the one i think everyone wants to poo poo on but it really makes sense like coke is actually really tasty and really complex and when you think about all the herbal notes vanilla in there cinnamon the clove everything it just works really well with whiskey um yeah yum yum well, like Dave, I, I agree, but like Dave was saying, this this Coke was the hardest one because yeah. basically when we, were, when we were building the recipe of World Whiskey Blend, we was I was te I was testing each result with the different mixes because that was part of the concept. Coke was the hardest one to not clash. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's last. So you're already a bit drunk. You'll think it's great. <laughs> it doesn't taste like Coke actually. I think if I just maybe the orange makes it like I can taste the whiskey yeah. better. I think so too. Than the ginger, because I, I think the whiskey had the ginger. Before the ginger cake. Well, we've had it neat. We've like had it with Coke. We've had it with ginger ale. We've had it with tonic, which was awesome. We had it with green tea. We've had it with soda. And we've had it with coconut water. Coconut water. Oh. I like that. I love the coconut water and the tonic. Uh, yeah. The, the, the tonic threw yeah. me right. Yeah. The tonic was superb. Well, they're all seven wonders and they were all wonderful. Thanks for doing that, Steph. That You're was welcome. really that was really okay. enjoyable. And you can hear us all the banter in the background. We're having a good time. And that's that again, what enjoying whiskey is all about. The way the world drinks whiskey is with friends in this fashion. web we were talking about books and dave i noticed today you didn't bring in any books usually you bring in a lot of textbooks i did but normally bring in a lot of books but i decided not to bring so many in or i did get them all out last night and then i just bought in uh Ing ingver von's um malt whiskey, malt whiskey yearbook. yearbook in this in the bag just to read up essential um, 
It is an essential, and I was just trying to read up about world whiskies, where the distilleries were situated around the world. Well, it's good you still have the analog format of information because in the digital realm, things are getting poorer and poorer by the day. Scotchwhiskey.com is a website, really a a daily, a website I would visit daily, and I think a lot of us across the whiskey world uh, would visit daily. If you Google any whiskey distillery, most whiskey brands are even commentary on whiskey about filtration or any information about whiskey that's what came up scotchwhiskey.com dave broom was the chief engineer at scotchwhiskey.com which very sadly about a month ago by the time this podcast airs announced that it was going to stop what happened dave uh no money uh simple as that the 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 money just didn't stack up uh these sites are very expensive things to run and unfortunately they're just simply well although there was a lot of uh support you know the industry loved it uh the nature of advertising and promotion has shifted these days uh and basically there was no income coming in uh so as a result although we looked at uh, numerous ways of trying to make the site work uh it just wasn't going to stack up so unfortunately uh the site had to close uh, which is a bitter disappointment so were you guys surprised by the reaction uh yeah, I, I, and it was wonderful. It, it was really quite humbling, uh, quite you know, genuinely humbling. Uh, you know, people often say, "Well, yeah, yeah, I love the site or, or whatever," but the the response has been really fantastic. Uh, so clearly, we were doing a good job, and we, we believed we were doing a, doing a good job. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, it, it makes me really worried uh, about how to get information out there. Uh, which isn't like overly commercialized or, or bought or just driven by by ego or or celebrity or whatever. It's getting tougher and tougher out there. So it, uh, it was certainly a noble act for so that's the whiskey exchange who set this up. Yeah, specialty yeah. drinks. Sukinder Singh and his brother yeah. Raj Beer set this thing up as a part of the ecosystem, I guess, of their existing business. Yeah, but 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 completely independent of. Uh, therefore, you know, there was a clear division between you know. Uh, it wasn't there just as their blog. You know, it was it was, uh, it was a totally separate entity, uh, and they were, I think, very very noble in do, in doing that. Uh, that, that there was no inter uh, commercial interference uh, from them on it, uh, and they kept it going for as long as was financially possible. And then eventually, it just wasn't wasn't tenable anymore. So yeah, uh, a real a real shame. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, Richard, Becky, and I are you know, now kind of scratching our heads. I am literally you know, scratching my head. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of wondering, you know, what to do, how, how to archive stuff, uh, what's next. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, at this particular juncture, I haven't got a clue what's next. Uh, who knows? You know, who knows what will happen? Uh, you know, it's very difficult. Print is very difficult. Uh, online is is difficult. But uh, there may be some other. Uh, opportunity to do something similar uh and you know it's kind of watch this space but you know at, at the moment i think we're all uh, a wee bit flat to be perfectly honest well i that optimism is exciting to me because i think anything that any of us could do to keep to help that happen again to bring scotchwhiskey.com back to life i think we would probably do whether it's a subscription or whatever it'd be lovely to have it yeah. again in the world so thanks for creating it all these years well, thank you thank you well, I guess that's the end of another podcast, Sam. We've tried the World Whiskey Blend. When is it coming out and where can we get it? Well, it's out soon. I think they're done. I'm looking down at the floor where they're bottling it. I think they're finished. So I'm they've... seeing a couple of pallets there being wrapped up now. Yeah. So I think we bottled 3,200 bottles today and out they go to the world. 
Exciting. So where can I find myself a bottle, Sam? I don't know. Google it. TBWC World Whiskey Blend. It'll be online. It'll be at your favorite and retailer. All around the world? I hope so. Perfect. Maybe and not Maybe not tomorrow, but yeah, by the middle of November, it'll be shipping. And we've got a, a retail price in mind, I guess. Yeah, you'll have to look that up, Dave. Oh, will I? Yeah. i have to do everything. ScotchWhiskey.com will have it. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, oh! There's no new information on there, so... <laughs> Yes, I think it's $32.99. Oh, perfect. Yeah, for a 70 CL. So unlike most boutiques, it's in a 70. But that was really fun. Dave Broom, thanks a lot for I coming to do this with us. It's been a treat. Yeah, thanks very much for coming along, David. No, no. Fin finish that sentence. A treat of what? <laughs> a treat. I was going to say something nice, then I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> couldn't think of anything nice to say. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a wonderful experience. Yeah. It's a big world of whiskey. Don't, don't be biased in your whiskey drinking. Try something new and uh, drink it how you like. Steph prove that today by giving us seven different ways of drinking world whiskey blend thanks a lot for that step to camilla may these were delicious let me have one more sip and raise it to you guys cheers cheers, cheers. <laughs> this is filmed in front of a live studio audience <laughs> hey everybody can you hear my voice yes a little loud sam ah tough shit you got no choice Grab a glass and sit back in your chair Cause Uncorked is going live tonight